0: oh my god are you kidding me <laughs> oh, who's calling are you? me from Kalamazoo Missouri seriously
1: shut up and sit down this whole gravel thing
2: has taken off with such a disruptive trend. It's
0: changed the cycling world as we know. it.
1: You are listening to The Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grant, Evan Price, Golden Boy, Lance Hepler,
3: and Jake Von During. Always remember that you are one right away from a good mood. I have a bike.
0: Gravel bikes, by nature, are fairly do-it-all utilitarian With, wheels. with
3: wheels. <laughs> Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Bum. I have a bicycle
2: You will
1: I have a bicycle You won't I have a bicycle When you
2: take away all the weird social discomfort that comes with trying to figure out if you're wearing the right thing or if you look right for the bike that you're riding more people become interested in riding bikes again Who the fuck?
3: What would you say
2: you do here?
1: Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Vondring, and I'm here with Lance Friggin' Hepler Lance again. Lance
3: Friggin' Romance Hepler. How many weeks in a row is this, Lance? It is two weeks in a row. Dude, get out of here. Wait. <laughs> three three <laughs> weeks in a row. It's time to leave town again. Sweet.
1: Coming to us over uh, FaceTime with a, <laughs> a very funny face, uh, Mr. Matt LeGrand. How are you, Matt?
0: What's up, guys? Good to be on the podcast. Good to be here. <laughs>
1: Lance, can you take a picture of that so we can he's, post stuff He's
3: got now? some dumb, um, what is it? Emoji con or something? Some memo-
1: it's a It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we've got a special guest with us today. Uh, some might know him as FedEx or EdX or something around the <laughs> X thing, but uh, Edward Dudley. How are you doing, Edward?
2: Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. He's
1: going to have some uh, cool insight for us a little bit later on when we talk about the topic that we're going to talk about today. Exciting. Sweet. That, that's to
2: be determined. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Hey, let's backpedal. Um, Matt doesn't have a whole ton of time. He's got to go like finance the world or something like that. But- um, Ed doesn't have a lot of time. Correct.
3: Matt has like weeks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we, as a matter of fact, we might just leave it on like record and let Matt, just flabber on for talking. a minute. <laughs> hey, Matt, you've yeah. been up to all kinds of crazy stuff. Why don't you backpedal for us?
0: Uh, okay, so I had surgery on Thursday on the Achilles, and um, I rode outside the day before and went the day before, because so it was kind of like I knew that this was going to be a long time before I'd be able to do anything. So that was excellent. Super happy that I got to do that. And uh, surgery went. Well, as far as I know, I mean, basically they knock you out, do the surgery, whatever they do to you. You don't even know. And then you come to and you're like, how did it go? And they're like, hush your pretty little mouth. You're leaving now. And they don't tell you, don't really tell you much. Uh, and then you're on your way. So I have a cast on my ankle. And it's hard to know if they did anything, right? Because I don't even know, like, did they cut into me? I just well, I know it's a big thorn on my ankle and I'm not supposed to walk on it.
3: That, that cast looks like it goes all the way to your hip joint. Does it just go up to your knee?
0: Uh, you know, that's just special effects. It just goes <laughs> below the knee. So. All
3: right. Very cool.
0: I know. I, I guess I could probably something more creative than that. But uh, yeah, so it has not, it's been surprisingly low pain. In fact, I took a little bit of ibuprofen, a little bit of Tylenol, and like, but not, I mean, I don't even know if I needed much of that. It's just, it has not been painful. So that's been a surprise, right? Because, you know, in my experience in the past, I basically had the surgery before on the other foot, and uh, it was significantly more painful, although I think I was doing more stuff. And this time, I'm really just like keeping it elevated, laying around on the couch, laying around in bed, like really doing nothing. And you know, using my knee scooter, which is pretty cool. I put a <laughs> bell on it, and uh, so um, uh, using using my knee scooter when I whenever I scoot around the house.
1: So. I'm, I'm waiting for the YouTube knee scooter review. How about you, Lance? That is, that
3: would be brilliant. <laughs> the YouTube knee scooter uh, review. You
0: you will not have to wait very long because I promise you, it is coming.
3: <laughs> I want to see all the upgrades. I'm gonna bring you some donuts, Matt. It seems like sitting on the couch for weeks at a time is a good time for donuts. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, that's exactly what I need, Lance. As long as they're vegan, we're good. Those
3: I, are hard to find. Donuts I think and beer.
2: Ceramic bearings for the shooter oh, yes. are definitely in order. <laughs>
1: hey, you got a power oh, meter on that thing?
0: I've got so many ideas. <laughs> I've got a lot of ideas for this thing. I was gonna um, so maybe I'll have a video out by by the time this podcast goes live. But like, I'm gonna add. Bike computer, like probably the Hammerhead Carous. <laughs> yeah. uh, put some arrow bars, some clip-on uh, arrow bars on there. there. The Vario, I don't have arrow bars. I can't do that easily. But the Vario radar for sure. Maybe some bike lights. I'll Go swing. And, I'll uh, swing. And I will be.
1: I'll swing a scooter's care package by your house on my way home.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. But I, I, should have lots of stuff that I can add. to This it does have a nice little basket on the front, which is nice. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, um, I'm, I'm, I could. Oh, I probably have like a little like bike mirror that i could add which would be funny be uh, good. so I, I, yeah uh, be on the lookout for a youtube video or some sort of video that i'll post you know i'll post it everywhere instagram and and youtube and all the places so
3: sweet love it cool hey lance yes what you been up to um, so we haven't backpedaled for a couple weeks, Correct. actually. Yep. Um I did end up going to do that Mudslinger mountain bike race. Yeah. I did uh I actually felt better during the race than I thought I would, but placed much worse than I expected. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so I think I made some comment that I was hoping to be top five, and I barely cracked the top ten mm-hmm. in my age group. So uh, a lot of people showed up for that race. There are people that came in from like California and Idaho that did that race, which I wasn't quite expecting. Mitters, are they strong dudes? Yeah, they were strong Sweet. dudes. Yeah, one guy made this podium that I've never even heard his name before, and that's great. I know most. Yeah, it is good for the racing. So, uh, yeah, had a great time out there. Lots of teammates did the race. Uh, Terry Hamness, yes, he did beat me.
1: Attaboy, a boy, Terry. At a boy,
3: Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, although he only beat me by one place, he didn't have that good of a day either. So I was ninth and he hey, was, that's a win he, in Terry's books. So. Yes, it was. It was great for Terry. I was kind of stoked for him. I actually, I held him off for like three quarters of the race. So he didn't catch me till like the last quarter of the race, which was kind of, I was like, where the heck is Terry? He <laughs> shit. And then he'd caught me and passed me and I
1: could You guys with him. both made it through without technical issues or you did no. have. A bit of a slight issue,
3: didn't you? Uh, well, yeah, I got a, I got a, um, I got a branch stuck in my spokes, and, um, and I, you know how you're riding and you hear something like whap, 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 and I kept thinking, oh, it's just gonna come out, it's gonna fall out. Yeah. It, the branch was hitting me on the butt every revolution. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this has got to just break off, and, and it never actually like came out, so I had to stop, jumped off, saw that it was actually through my spokes. I ripped the branch out, jumped back on, and uh, kept riding. Finished the race. Didn't realize I'd broken a spoke in the middle of that. So how out of true did it throw the wheel? It wasn't terrible. Okay. I, I didn't even. I didn't notice it. I didn't even know it was. Um, the spoke was broken until I was cleaning my bike like two days later. Oh wow! And I'm like, oh, there's a spoke broken. So the DT Swiss held up pretty strong. It, huh? it held up really well. Good. So I have a lot of hard miles on those wheels, and um, yeah, it did just fine. Sweet. So that race went pretty well. Uh, From there, uh, I ended up taking a short trip to Pullman, Washington, to Uh help my daughter move some stuff back. And kind of funny, while we were out there, um, I wanted to do some gravel riding because the gravel roads out there are, like, just phenomenal. Riding in the Palouse on the gravel roads is just fantastic. So I jumped on my gravel bike. I didn't know this, but it had rained, like, two days before, and the gravel roads are beautiful. But there's plenty of spots where the gravel roads, the gravel goes away and they're just dirt farm roads. And those were unrideable. Oh, wow. I, I, was, I was doing a downhill section. The gravel ran out. There was like a mile long like dirt section. I'm going downhill the mud was so sticky and so thick, oh, it stopped that. my bike. <laughs> I had to stop. So like, it just like
1: glommed on your wheels, and it was like not allowing them to turn it, through the stays and the fork. Yes. Okay. Correct.
3: Wheels. I've had that happen on the <laughs> mountain bike before. <laughs> my, the bottom bracket, my derail, all of it, just completely like like. Gl- I had to walk it. How, to-
1: <laughs> did you look like you had like giant bricks on your feet because it was glomming yes, on your feet too?
3: It was. It was pretty crazy. So. Anyway, that that was still a, a fun ride out there. Sure. And then I came back and um, uh, I made it to the flogging ride, which was a fantastic week at the flogging ride. We actually ended up having really nice weather and a lot of people showed up. It was a very fast week. Weather stats though real quick. This is on a Thursday. It's a Thursday. What was the weather like? It on- was like Thursday. 76 degrees uh-huh. um, at 6 p.m. It was beautiful. Blue skies. Blue skies, gorgeous, fantastic, wonderful. And then um, Monday happened. Monday happened, <laughs> and um, in Vancouver we got like four inches of snow on Monday, and I think Jake's house had like we we're closer to ten inches. More like ten wow. inches. Yeah,
1: up on Prune Hill it was it was the, It was
3: actually before, when I came into the lab today, I came in a little bit
1: later because I had some stuff to deal with. At home and it was snowing there again. Oh my gosh, but it was like slushy snow, it wasn't sticking. But it, the weather, it's just like, come on, <laughs> it was kind of a weird weather whiplash.
3: We had a weird weather <laughs> storm blow but through it's, you
1: know, a third of the way through April, yeah. and it's snowing here, and that's just unheard of. So, yeah, yeah, Crazy. I
3: actually had to get back on Zwift for a couple rides this week, which yeah. felt like defeat. Yeah, <laughs> so going back to the flogging ride, that was good times, it was good times. Um, I some big uh, guy van showed up. Nate Scott showed up. um Josh Monda, Josh Monda showed up. It was kind of funny. The, the POA guys, the, uh, the, the competing team that we compete with, they always bring like five or six guys. Sure. And, um, it's great. That's, that's what the ride is for. It's yeah. for, it's for, pr- it's race practice. Pretty much. That's what it is. And we had these two guys showed up, um, for dialed that have never been there with some of the other POA guys. They've been out. They just, Probably haven't rubbed doubles with these guys Correct. yet. Yeah, and so one of the PWA guys was like, "What? What the heck? All of a sudden, there's two other guys show up from Dialed, and they're just they're crushing us. Just yeah. like where? Are, where have these guys been hiding? <laughs> where are these guys are coming out of
1: the woodwork? And you so. get the likes of Paul and Nate, and all the usuals were out there. Yeah, it was a
3: fast, fast week.
1: I noticed that I looked at the times for all the different different segments and there were so many records, so many KOM set and just everybody who was on that ride rolled through and crushed everything that was, you know, existing just yes. because the pace the, the pace, pace was, was just super high. Yeah. Yeah. And we had um, a, f- a few new teammates who came out as well, like Laura Mullen was out there.
3: Yep, Laura Mullen and
1: she came crushed out. and she
3: hung with the a group as well. That she did? Yeah. yeah. I love it. So it was it was a lot of fun. And of course I was gone. And Jake was uh, playing in Texas. <laughs> Enough of that. I, you don't want to hear anything else about me. I rode Zwift, and I had I had a good couple weeks. Great, Ed. Ed, backpedal.
2: Not a lot on my backpedal. I also was stuck on Zwift most of the week. My one attempt to ride outside on Saturday. I was going to do a couple laps of the lake, like you and I had talked about. And as I'm coming down 28th Street, I was getting pelted in the face with hail at about 30 (laughs) miles an hour. What the hail? And (laughs) so the the notion that I was going to start another lap when the entrance to my development was immediate on my... Immediately on my right, went out of the window, came home with a whopping like 33 minute ride outside this week. It was, it was sad.
1: Straight on the kicker bike after that or just call it a day?
2: I called it a day then and got on the kicker bike to pre-ride some of the race course for next week using my Garmin computer, which was convenient. Because uh, it's been a year, and, and there are some bigger climbs than I really remembered. I guess I was suffering too much to have any <laughs> clear recollection of what the course was like. There's
3: long, there's long climbs in this race that's happening next weekend. Gravel race, yes. So it should be fun. It should be fun.
1: Cool. I think so. I was gone. I We're missed gone. all of the fun festivities here. Came back and it was snowing. <laughs> so, but um, I did. I did take my bike with me to San Antonio, Texas. Um, my original plan was to take the gravel bike because I still stand by the fact that that's the best bike to take with you whenever you travel because it gives you all the options. Like You might not show up to like a, a group road ride and be able to hammer everybody, but you could still ride with them if you wanted to. Yes, you or you can go ride on all the gravel and you can do all the things. So we get out there and the first thing I do is I jump on the computer. I'm like, all right, San Antonio, what you got? And I start researching everything. <laughs> I'm looking at all the different bike clubs and nobody's like super active on there. But I did find a couple people that were posting rides and there was some roadies but it wasn't going to be until the following weekend when we were gone what i did find was a bunch of gravel rides did i have my gravel bike with me nope nope so the the cases that we have um down here at the lab were rented out and lance was a a nice guy he said oh you can use my case i'm like oh that's fantastic he's like i don't think the gravel tires are going to fit in there though cuz they are, like they fit recessed in the Siam, there, yes, and they were just too big. I would have had to literally take the tires off and then reseat everything when I got out there uh, and who knows how that's going to go. Yeah. So, I take the road bike saying I'll make it work. There's got to be some good riding around here. There's not. <laughs> San Antonio? Cuz you were like down, you weren't downtown, but, but you were We were north West San Antonio. Okay. So we were like near SeaWorld, near Six Flags, and all that kind of fun stuff up there. Like if we were in downtown, it's like absolutely not. That's just not somewhere you want to ride. But I'm figuring we're we're close enough to the country. My, I'll be able to make this work. I went on one ride and I felt like I took my life into my hands to ride the ten miles to get to this twenty-five mile scenic loop. <laughs> and oh, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm gonna die. There's no bike lanes. There's well, I'm not gonna say no, very, very few, few. but very few bike lanes. So uh, I I make my way out there i'm like all right just like you know (laughs) crossing my fingers saying please don't get hit don't get run over and they got honked at a few times and cars buzzing you and all that fun stuff and finally get out there and the country scenic loop was spectacular it was beautiful it was gorgeous it was fun ride it was rolling hills like this is my jam and then that ended and it was like all right, gotta ride 10 miles back (laughs) oh dude it was horrible I found myself, it was 10 miles. I found myself riding on the sidewalk for about six of those miles. Oh, yeah, that's no fun. Yeah, and so you're dealing with, like, pedestrians. Yeah, Like, you're the jackhole that's riding on a road bike and bike kid on the sidewalk. And I'm like, I just don't want to get killed here. So, got back. My wife's like, how was the ride? Well, half of it was great. The other half of it sucked. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, putting the bike away. <laughs> Broke it down immediately. You just, you just <laughs> put it away. <gasps> put it away. And the next day, I went and rode on the um the, the trainer that they had there. Uh, had
3: her, you could have had her, her
1: drive you out Yeah, to the but Loop. that's a pain in the butt. It I don't want it because the they, they're trying to go to the pool and stuff like that. We're trying to manage stuff. I'm trying to spend as much time with the family as of I course. can. And then if I'm going to go ride, it needs to be efficient. I don't want to be gone for half the day because we're on vacation. It's supposed yes. to be doing family stuff. Yes. So I just I put the bike away and just, you know what, I'm going to walk over. They had a really nice gym. I mean, it had a, a rowing machine there, so I got my row in. And I, they had the you know, the upright <laughs> bike. They had a spin bike. And they had the things there. But- it's still just it's riding indoors, and then I finally said, "F it! <laughs> I'll just yeah. ride. I'll just ride when I get home." It, it, you know, the riding at home's been going really good. It's snowing at home, so <laughs> <laughs> it's not good weather here. No, it's in not. the northwest right now. So that that's kind of how that worked out. But here's the the funny thing: it's been math, please twenty six days, I think, since I've ridden on Zwift. Oh my gosh! Yeah. But wrote, I did I did ride the indoor bike at the at the, the resort gym. that we're staying yeah. at so but it wasn't Zwift. But it wasn't Zwift. <laughs> so it's been almost a month, but I think I'm gonna finally cave and break down and do it tonight. We're supposed to do our Tuesday night gravel ride and it's gonna end up being one of those where hey It's too <laughs> it, nasty. It, yeah. It's nasty, it's like slushy snow, it's cold, it's wet, it's muddy. Um let's do a Zwift ride. So Yep. Anyway, uh, moving on. Moving on. Uh, yeah, that was uh I don't know. It was fun. I I was really bummed to miss the uh the flogging right? but it is what it is. Cool. Hey, yo, Champ Bailey. Yo. What's up, dude?
3: Champ, Champ, Champ is here. What's up, dude? Okay, so lots of racing happened this last week and a half. Yep. Uh, the Tour of Flanders happened. Yep. Uh, quite exciting because um, uh, tade Pogaccia and Matthew Vanderpool got away in, like, the last, like, 2K of the race or something. I'm trying to remember. This is all off the top of my head. And um, then they started kind of playing games, the two of them, with uh, Vanderpool sitting behind uh, Pogaccia. Uh And two two other guys ended up catching him. But Vanderpool was just the class of the field, and he ended up winning that race, which was quite exciting. Um, I believe last week we said, I think we called Wout Van Aert to win the next race, which was Amstel Gold or the Tour of Flanders. He didn't do either of them because he got COVID. COVID, yep. Yep and he's struggling a little bit with it. It hasn't been... I think they said... I read an article
1: this morning that said he's fully recovered. He, he, he says he's feeling good, but the team wants to be conservative with
3: him and have him be more of a, a subservient role to somebody else. We've got Per roubaix coming up yep. this weekend, and he's not sure what his role is going to be yeah. at paris yet, so that's kind of exciting. Uh, Amstel Gold came around, also another great uh, spring race, but not one of the monuments, um, and... Michael Kiakowski from uh, Ineos ended up winning that in yep. a photo finish sprint over Kosenfra, which was...
1: That was so close. It was so close. Such a long race to come down to like like a half an inch or something uh, like that.
3: 160 miles <laughs> yeah. or something regardless. You know, and it's like Kiakowski won it on a, uh, on a bike throw, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. You could see how kind of close it was. Um, any other comments about those two races? No. Let's move on. There were two fantastic mountain bike events that also happened. Uh, the Lifetime Grand Prix had its first race of its six-race series down at the Sea Otter Classic. It was a 80-kilometer mountain bike race, roughly 50-mile mountain bike race. And as far as mountain bike races go, um Sea Otter Classic is not really technical. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, my gosh, you could see the difference between... The gravel racers and the mountain bike racers. So a lot of these gravel racers came to gravel from road and don't have a lot of the off-road experience. Yes.
1: The mountain bikers who've got the big fitness that came into gravel, they can they can hold their own. But when it comes to a mountain bike race, of course they're going to crush. But they crush.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So Keegan Swenson um, ended up getting away with Russell Finsterwald and Alex Wild, all three of whom have done a ton of World Cup cross-country mountain bike racing sure. and the three of those guys just rode away from everybody mm-hmm. uh, and keegan <laughs> ended up uh attacking on the last climb and winning that race so he won the first in the series which was great there were a, a lot of like disappointments in that race uh, yeah. peter Stetina, who has mountain bike experience but he crashed in the first four minutes of a three-hour race. Oh, no. And broke his wrist. Oh, so he's probably done for... He finished the race. What? <laughs> he jumped back on his bike. He tangled with... I can't remember who he tangled with, but there was a pinch point. That's what happens in mountain bike racing. The first... the Mountain bike racing starts like a Swift race. Full gas. And people weren't quite expecting that. Yeah. And so, um, he tangled with somebody, it wasn't really his fault. He just crashed, but he broke his wrist. Uh, he didn't know he broke it. He jumped back on, finished the rest of the race, still took like 19th or 21st or something like that. Uh, but when he got an x-ray later on, yeah, it's, it's broken. So kind of crazy. Uh, you know, other big names, um, like, uh, the, the world record holder, Ashton Lambie that he has gotten into, He got into the Lifetime Fitness as one of the 30 athletes. Yeah. And he has some gravel experience, but none really on the mountain bike. Dead last. (laughs) (laughs) And he's got like watts for days. Sure. I mean, he's super strong, but um, yeah, it didn't quite work out. What about Dylan Johnson? Dylan Johnson beat Peter Stetna. I think he was. Because he's got a strong mountain bike resume. He does, but he was still like in the third group. Like, really, I think he was 11th or 12th or 14th or something like that. He's still respectable. He face. was he was a ways. To, I'm going to tell you here it is. I've got it. Uh, he was 17th. Okay. Yeah, he was 17th. So he still did fairly well. So a lot of fun. The women's side it was a much closer race. Mariah Wilson <laughs> ended up winning that. Um, and I, it was just a very fun race so it should cool. be exciting the next race in the series is in June um, and that is uh, unbound so that's the big 200 mile race for them so that is the outlier in the six race series um, all the other races are 100 miles or less and this is the 200 mile race so we'll see what happens there cool uh, other than that I'm not going to talk anybody else because we need to get to our topic <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right Topic today, Matt. Are you still there? And did Matt pass out and die? It looks like his possible. Face. Oh, he, oh, there he is. Hey, Matt. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> <spoke to> <laughs>
0: he didn't want to listen to. Oh, I'm still, I'm still here, guys.
1: Okay. The, uh, the no, I,
0: I'm still into. I was interested in the uh, in the results. I was very curious about like gravel racing results. That series, that lifetime series, is actually really cool. Yeah,
1: cool. All right, so our topic for today, our gravel playbook. The gravel playbook. The gravel playbook from. The guy is sitting here at the table, and then, and, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt. So, Matt, have you done a gravel like a formal gravel ride yet?
0: Uh, yeah. Oh, you Before have. Gravel was cool. I, I, like, I, took my cyclocross bike up and did some gravel. Stuff oh, okay. On the mountain.
1: Sweet. Okay. Yep. Well, so my thought process was: is we got a bunch of things that we can share, and then maybe Matt can add ask some questions along the way. Maybe we can convince him to yeah, get himself, pretty- get himself a little gravel bike and come out and do some gravel riding with us. So that would be uh, probably fun. Yeah. And,
0: and We could, I have plenty of questions. All right. So we're so. going to run
1: around kind of give you, it was going to be like a, what's our top 10, but I think there's too many things and whatnot, Perfect. but I just want to kind of throw out a playbook for folks that might be interested in gravel or new to gravel or considering gravel, or maybe somebody that's been doing it for a while and they're just wanting to you know pick up a few tips and tricks.
3: Uh d- <clears throat> We should also introduce our our guest a little bit Go more ahead. as well. So uh, we've got Ed Dudlick with us. Um, Ed is a super strong cyclist. He's done several gravel races. Yes, yeah. he has. Uh, he comes to us from, where? Did, what city did you move from? Most recently from D.C. From D.C. He uh, works for... Um, I didn't say that word. If you heard it, we're going to beep it out. He works for... An, I work in a
2: highly regulated industry. He works in a highly <laughs> regulated industry. Yeah, okay, move on. Move on. <laughs> um,
3: and so uh, that's why we got Ed in here too, because he's done quite a bit of gravel riding and racing. And uh, plus, we kind of like Ed most of the time. I'm
2: mostly not that annoying. <laughs> he's he's mostly obnoxious, <laughs> but yeah, well, he's got, it's got a, all for all of us. A pretty, you
1: know, diverse background in terms of like his athleticism and his like disciplines of things that he's participated in. So yes, it's triathlon and Reformed road triathlete you've kind of dipped your toe a little bit maybe in some mountain biking or i've, I've ridden a mountain bike there you but go not in a, a but very long bodybuilding ed moved to the pacific northwest about a year and change ago and really just fell in love with the area and then fell in love with the notion of like i can go right out in all those hills and all these gravel yeah. roads and has just taken to it like a duck in water yeah that's a good good analogy that's good
2: <laughs> yeah i put two thousand miles on my gravel bike in less than a year of owning it most of which were proper off-road miles yes Yes. um jake very humbly told me once that he thinks i've i've ridden more of the gravel around here in a year than he did in seven years (laughs) living here. yeah
1: (laughs) well he's not i mean you don't have a bunch of kids tying you down to you got to go to soccer games and baseball and drive kids all over the place so i'm kind of like stuck with like all right i've got this much time and i'm going to go here because it's close you're not afraid to get in the car and go try everything yeah and no. so he's kind of become a great gravel <laughs> resource for me. Like, Ed, what do you think about this area? Or what's something that you got up your sleeve?
2: Yeah, it's been uh, a real fun experience getting to explore the area by sure. taking the gravel bike out. So, uh, you know, I've been out in the Dalles and Dufour and, and areas where we're going to be racing in a couple of weeks and out towards the coast range all the way up in Yakult and whatnot and just kind of getting around and seeing Good. what's what and what the different terrain is like. And Also you know,
3: Olympic Peninsula yep, and more spots there. in Washington State. Yeah so ed kind of fast-tracked the whole like learning process
1: so it's all fresh in his head and he's learned a lot of things he's probably made a bunch of mistakes along the way and he's (laughs) probably come up with some pretty cool ideas or hacks or whatnot so he's definitely going to be a good resource for us in this conversation yeah he doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of time so we're going to try and go relatively quick lance i'm going to have you start what's something that you think that everybody should add to their playbook
3: uh first thing you should do uh riding gravel is lower your tire pressure especially if you're Hopefully, you're on tubeless if you're riding out on the gravel, uh, but lower your tire pressure. Um, lower tire pressure on a gravel ride or race not only makes it more comfortable, but it actually can be faster as well because your tires will take up a lot of that bump. and. Sure. Now, there are a
1: few caveats. I mean... If you're already running a proper tire pressure, don't necessarily lower your tire pressure because all of a sudden maybe a burp flat or maybe a a wheel strike or, you know, something like you roll a tire off because you hit a corner too hard. You got to kind of get in there and know what tire pressure you should be starting with in general. Um, And that's going to be very specific to the person and to the rider weight and the rider style and and all that fun stuff. Where are you riding on your bike?
3: Okay, I'm 185 pounds. I, um, I'm riding 45s. I'm riding pretty big tires. And that's the width of the tire. That's the width of the tire, 45 mils. Uh And, um, I ride that, uh, at about 27 to 25 PSI. Okay. So what are you running up front? 25 PSI. Rears 27? Rears 27 PSI. Okay.
2: How about you, Ed? Where are you at? So about the same weight as Lance. I've got narrower tires on the bike right now, about 40 mil. Uh-huh. And I've usually got that at around 30 up front and 35 in the rear.
1: That's about spot on with where I'm at as well. How about you, Matt? What do you run your tire pressure at?
0: <laughs> on the mountain bike tires, <laughs> I do sometimes like mixed road and trail and stuff. And so I'm probably like 25 to 30. And usually I just, Get pump them up and just go out and ride them soft. So.
3: Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Now, there's a couple other little things that you need to consider too. Lance, you are running cush cores in your tires. I do have tire inserts in my tire, cush core. With cush core or tire inserts, you can usually go three to four psi less. Correct. For still and still be okay. Uh huh. So. I do have CushCore. That makes a difference. Okay. And you are running with CushCore. You're obviously running tubeless. And I think everybody here is running
1: tubeless. And that, that's one thing about riding off-road. Don't ride with tubes because you're going to find yourself flatting, pinch flatting. Yep. If you get some sort of a puncture, you're going to yep. be changing that out in the middle of nowhere. You're going to get such a more enjoyable ride experience, not having to change a flat tire or flat tube. Um, so running tubeless is definitely highly recommended. Yes. Agreed. Correct. Cool. Um, Lance, uh, Ed, do you have a, a tip for us? Uh,
2: allow for a lot more time than you expect the ride to take. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of the, one of the things that is really hard to determine, especially if you've never ridden the course before uh, or the, the route before, is what the surface conditions will be like. Sure. And that can vary enormously from season to season, depending yeah. on the precipitation and, and temperature and everything. So I, I routinely try to allow an extra hour in telling my wife when I expect I'll be home. She usually pads an hour on top of that, <laughs> and there have still been occasions when I have gotten in the doghouse because I'm sure. late. So.
3: What's interesting about a lot of these gravel routes is the nice gravel routes usually have a significant amount of climbing, especially here in the Northwest, and sometimes you don't know what the what the road conditions are going to be like, and if the road conditions are bad or soft— or really chunky, it will increase your time dramatically. So it's no, hard to
2: guess. not only on the way up, but on the way down. You know, you can't always factor in the descents being as buttery smooth and fast as you think they'll be. Sure, sometimes they're oh, rock hard. No, oh forget that. You just send it. it doesn't or, matter how. <laughs> <laughs> you
3: just rip it. That's what I, <laughs> I think you <laughs> spoke Chris last week <laughs> about
2: lacks, about Lance's lack of self preservation yes, instincts. I, we did. <laughs>
1: um, I'm going to jump on top of that, and I'm going to say um, for me, like know your abilities and don't ride outside of your comfort zone i mean even if you are riding with other people let them go. Cause if you're not comfortable on the bike, you don't have the bike handling skills that a Lance has, or you don't have, um, you know, the, the experience on a particular course that Ed has, you know, ride within your abilities. Cause you never know when you're going to come up on a pothole, a loose corner. You're going to come up on some like chunky rock. That's going to roll around differently. You don't want to baby heads. We ba- talked about baby heads, baby heads. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be in a bad situation to where next thing you know, you're on the ground and you're hurt or you hurt your bike or, you know, whatever,
3: just ride within your own abilities you end up, you end up learning what your abilities are by crashing and finding out where those limits are. So I
1: recommend though, that like ride your gravel bike in other places, ride closer to home, go find like a local park or like just spend a lot of time on it. So you can get to know it, how it handles the different mannerisms. Cause my road bike handles wildly different than my road bike. And it's kind of closer to the mountain bike side of things but even that is still different you're riding with a different set of handlebars generally speaking so spend some time riding on it and doing different things right outside of your comfort level at that point in time when you have more of a controlled environment and you're not out in the middle of nowhere where you know if you do fall or hurt or break something on you or your bike it's an easier like let's get home and get this sorted
3: out one thing roadies that come people that are purely roadies and then move to gravel without any mountain bike experience you don't one of the things that's hard to adjust to is sometimes you're skidding, or a tire is sliding, and that's kind of part of the deal. And yeah. as a roadie, that doesn't happen. Nope. You like you lean into a curve. You don't you don't put a foot down and skid around a corner. And yeah. there's lots of times where on a gravel bike, I might skid around a corner because it's fast. You don't really want to skid too much, but th- there's a difference. There's a big difference between handling a road bike and handling a gravel bike and you just, that just takes practice. takes time off road to learn what your bike can do and what you can do.
1: Yeah. So and if you've got like a hardtail mountain bike or a mountain bike in general, it's good to spend time on that because those skills will definitely translate to the gravel bike a lot more than just say riding your road bike all the time. You're going to get the fitness from your road bike, which is fantastic because you do need that. But if you really want to be an accomplished off-road gravel rider, racer person, spend some time riding off road on multiple bikes and like push yourself. so Yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Matt, do you have a question for us, or do you have anything that you can offer up in terms of some tips?
0: Jake, you said in the past, like five minutes, you said know your limits, don't push yourself, and then you said you right from bike, push yourself <laughs> Cl- is- Cl-
1: closer to home in a controlled <laughs> environment. Like, there's a big difference if you're out in the middle of DeForest up there in the you know.
3: Whatever I think it's doofer.
1: Doofer? okay but
3: whatever that sounds funnier yeah. so I'm saying doofer. <laughs> that, that's how I've gone with it on your location, but I'm not sure they know yeah I just
1: I don't want to see people out there like working on their bike handling skills when they're in a no cell zone and they're you know miles and miles and miles away from their car and you know there's no people around I don't want to see people get in a bad way you're oh I have get- stories. Do you want yeah, me to yeah, stories yeah tell stories <laughs> where do we start you're not going to get better <laughs> without putting a little bit of time and you're not going to get better by like Pushing like not a huge ton amount, doing something stupid, but like you gotta push it a little bit so that you can have that feeling. You, like Lance said, like if you're gonna get a little bit sideways, you're gonna learn how to throw the bike around. You're gonna to have to experience that, but you want to do it in a, a more controlled environment where you have you know, maybe some people with you and you're you're closer to your house and an ambulance can actually get to you if you go over the bars and kill yourself. Well, not kill yourself, but you know what I mean. Yep. But well, sorry, Matt, go ahead, finish what you're saying.
0: All though. about proximity. Okay. Got Correct.
1: it. Yeah. So. Do you have anything that you want to lend us, Matt? Do you have any like pearls of wisdom here?
0: Quick clarification, location. so.
1: Okay, Lance, do you have another one?
3: Uh, You know, knowing where you are and what you can do um, has—that's something you should take into account. I mean, Ed and I probably both have stories about crashing on gravel bikes um, in bad. spots (laughs) spots <laughs> uh, I, I, i've seen
1: ed bring his bike in uh, on a monday after a weekend race and i'm like his what handlebars the were cracked? hell happened and Is how he... are you still alive
3: <laughs> hey, his handlebars were busted but he still you still won the race or just third you took I third still made the podium
2: for, i got passed for second <laughs> when i couldn't couldn't control the bike in a curve because I had no left handlebar. Okay, handle bar so well.
3: I let's paint a picture here.
1: So you've got your, your drop bars, right? And I believe it was the left side of the bar that Correct. broke off. And so if you think of the stem comes up and the bars go through there, there was probably, what, two or three inches of bar that was still attached. <laughs> and the rest of it was just about like dangling. About a hand width. So he's got his hand about as close to the stem as you can get with his left hand. And then he's got the, the right arm, which is basically riding the bike. He did that for 15 miles if I'm not mistaken. And you probably right. had a sense and descents and like technical stuff to get through. There. And you basically didn't have a front brake because you, you're, you it was just dangling down there. It was like, not basically off. I
2: had no front brake. The, all the hydraulic fluid had come out nope. or okay. that it bled out. I, the DI two cable, thankfully was still connected. So I could shift just by trying to find where the handlebar was dangling. From yeah. the cable. And, and this oh all happened. Gosh. How? Uh, I was going down a descent in a, a gravel race, the, the bon John pedal bender, and the descent was, um, pothole would be a light way to describe it. Cratered would be probably more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and I clipped a nasty, nasty pothole while apexing a turn and it just jerked the hand, the bars sideways <laughs> before I could even react. So I smacked the pavement at like 30 miles an hour, um, got up and and was gonna just dnf but i'm looking around as as you implied earlier i was like there's nowhere there's nobody around here except other racers there's nobody to take me home let me just see how far i can get get. closer to civilization (laughs) and so i coasted down a hill on the top tube. i i'm like that's uncomfortable let's just get back on the bike and see what (laughs) we can do and it wasn't getting any worse so i figured i'd i'd get as close to the finish as i could because at least then i might be able to get some support but i i still rode it as hard as i could because i was kind of pissed off (laughs) and what happened
1: when you crossed the finish line? Did people obviously see that your bike was in, in a bad way?
2: Yes. They asked me to go to the, <laughs> the med tent first to make sure I was okay. And then the fire firefighter nicely hosed me down to get some of the, the grossness out of the wound. And yeah. I should have let them bandage me up. That was a, an ill-advised omission. Uh-huh. But they, they just wanted to make sure I was all right. And then they wanted to take pictures of all the, the gruesome war wounds so that nice. they could you know use them were in missing their advertising skin in lots of places lots of places yeah. i still have some scars um but jake got the bike up and running in like a week which was amazing and and it still rides great today
1: great <laughs> and that's not the same race where you lost your key to your oh car. yeah it was it the was a hell one. of a day oh my gosh that <laughs> was the same the, one and it
2: was also 107 key. degrees that day jeez oh, <laughs>
1: That that's a good story, but we'll have to save the rest of that for another time. <laughs> it
3: needs to be alcohol for that story. <laughs> uh last did you finish saying what you were I, gonna say? I'm just saying I was there was a ride once where I was um I, I was in the Gifford Pinchot National Forest. I was completely by myself. It was only like a fifty mile gravel ride, but I was doing descent and I tend to push my limits on the descent and I Overcooked a corner and almost went off a cliff. (laughs) I ended up, I ended up double wheel skidding Uh with a foot down and and like took out two tree seedlings, like like five foot tall trees. Oh my god! Like just drilled them, and luckily didn't break my bike, didn't break myself. But if I'd gone off the road, you you just you wouldn't have found me. Nice, I wouldn't have been found. So
2: I'd like to chime in there if I can. One of my absolute top 10s for the playbook for me personally is my Garmin in reach. Oh, the yeah. Little satellite communicator that I carry with me everywhere now. Um, and it's gotten me out of some tricky situations. You know, my wife's been able to pick me up a couple times where, you know, I was just way behind schedule or I flatted and could, could ride on the wheel, but only for so far because my CO2 canister was busted. You know, it, it's, been a not quite a lifesaver and I hope it never literally has yeah. to save my well, life, but
1: it could. Just on the last gravel ride that we did together, we got separated. Yeah. And the, the whole group went right and Ed went right but went beyond us. But we were supposed to go left, I think I don't I'm still kind of unclear exactly where we, we got were supposed separated. to go. But we got separated and then we all assumed that Edward had got ahead of us and that we all assumed that when we got back to the cars, he was gonna be there waiting for us. We get back, there's he no wasn't way. it, Yeah. But like within a minute of us getting there, I get a text from Ed from his inReach, and I, I was able to receive a text, but I wasn't able to send one back. But I n- at least knew that you were okay. So,
3: I ended up getting an inReach, a Garmin inReach, uh, because of an incident I had in Arizona <laughs> once. So I was in Flagstaff, Arizona. I found this 40-mile gravel loop that looked just fantastic. I'm halfway through the loop I'm literally, I'm already two hours in. It was a long, it was a difficult loop. And this is going to sound like a broken record. I was railing a descent (laughs) (laughs) and I went over a rock garden and completely blew out my rear tire. So I, I cut, I sidewall cut the rear tire. So I was running tubeless. It was not fixable. Um, It wouldn't seal. And I had to end up putting a tube in it. But there was a moment there where I couldn't get it to seal properly or couldn't get it to remount, and there was no cell signal. There was no way for me to get a hold of anybody. I'm literally like 25 miles from... There was no people out there. I, I had, so if I'd had the Garmin reach, I could have texted my wife and said, hey, you need to get close to this point because I'm stuck. Luckily... I was able to get just enough air in that tube that I was able to finish the ride and get I like self-rescued myself but if I had really broken something I might still be out there in the mountains around Flagstaff which was also not good.
1: Okay, this is going that that that's an excellent suggestion that in thing is fantastic i don't have one i probably should get one but i generally ride with others and if i ride with one of you two you got one so true <laughs> by proxy i have one but anyhow um they're available here at the
3: lab yeah exactly 300 bucks roughly ish somewhere and there. how much are they a month They're for? like 26 dollars a month and you can activate it just for the months you're going to use sure. it so
1: yeah, yeah you can turn it off during the winter months if yes. you're going to be staying at home so that leads me to my next point is um be self sufficient. You know, take all of the things that you're gonna need. Like, there's, if it's gonna go wrong, you want to try and have it with you for the most part. Like a chain link, like a a tube, a patch kit, a plug, those kinds of things. Make sure that you've got all the parts and pieces. And then, secondary to that, know your bike inside and out. Like, I don't think it's appropriate for somebody to go out and go crushing things in the gravel hills and be out there in the middle of nowhere by themselves if they don't know how to fix
3: like the basics on their bike so if i didn't have a tube on that flagstaff ride yeah I'd, i would have been in trouble yeah. if i'd have just trusted my my tubeless and not had a tube with me I'd have been in trouble been screwed yeah there's another time in uh, saint george i was doing a big descent and got my chain stuck and actually warped my chain and so
1: go yeah ahead. anyway um so we're going to continue with this conversation, but we do have to say goodbye to Ed. Cause like I said, Ed's got to go finance the world. So that's <laughs> a real
3: job. Me and Jake have fake jobs.
1: And <laughs> we do appreciate it. Do you have any uh, final parting shot or do you want to say your one last thing? Just
2: thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. I, you know, I listen all the time and now I actually get to do it, which is pretty cool and, yeah. and come out and ride gravel with me sometime. I'm always up for a ride. I know a thousand and one routes. and yes, I'm sir. always happy to show it around.
1: Yeah. We do appreciate you coming by. We will uh, catch you soon and uh, yeah. Have a good rest of your Thank day, Thank you, bud. Ed. Same to you both. <laughs> All right. See you, bud. Um, all right. So going back to uh, the gravel playbook, I've got a few more things. I'm sure Matt's got some questions for us maybe. And I know Lance got some stuff. Um, Lance, you were talking. You want to finish your point?
3: Yeah. So I was doing this ride in St. George. um, I chain sucked my chain and actually warped my chain. Yep. I remember you doing that. I didn't, it didn't just get stuck. I actually bent a link. Yep. And okay, I'm effed if that was the case. But I had a chain tool with me. Yep. And another, and a link with me. Correct. I was able to remove the warped links. Put my chain back together and self-rescue myself. Exactly. Even though I had already called somebody to come pick me up. And while I was waiting, I fixed the bike myself.
1: I mean, these are the things that that can go wrong, but it's not very much to have a chain breaker tool that's part of your multi-tool with you in a little tiny master link. That's That's very common. If you suck up a rock or a a stick or something, chances are you're going to damage your chain and that's going to get you out of a pickle. Yes. So that's correct. Correct. Um, Matt, do you have any, any questions for us? Do you have anything to add?
3: Uh, I
0: would, so I think maybe you guys could just touch base on, like, entry-level bikes. Um, like, kind of, if someone maybe rides road or rides mountain bike, like, what what should they look to pick up? Do you-
1: well, you can get started in a bunch of different ways. Like I said, well, you, you can, there's, there's a lot of people, like Andy Levine on our team. He actually rides a mountain bike frame hardtail and he put a fork on the front of it and then he put drop bars on it and he just had it kind of custom fit to him and that's what's comfortable for him and he races on that thing and he's pretty stinking fast he's pretty stinking fast and so you don't have to have like a formal gravel bike you can kind of build it up you can do different things but you can start on a mountain bike you can if you want to run with a smaller tire that's going to roll a little bit faster to keep up with some people you can do that on a mountain bike or if you've like BMC, for instance, they make the road machine, which is a road bike, but they have the road machine X that they've actually started putting out. It's using the same road machine frame, but they've actually outfitted it with a one by drivetrain, and they've got 33-millimeter tires on there that you can— basically ride that bike on all surfaces, but they're saying, hey, yeah, go ride that on on the gravel stuff too. You can't get much bigger of a tire on there, but it can still be very serviceable.
3: That can be serviceable. So
1: you've got that, you've got a lot of cyclocross bikes out there. A lot of
3: people ride or start gravel on cyclocross bikes because quite often you can find a cyclocross bike cheaper, you know, used. And so you can start something more inexpensively that way. Cyclocross bikes... You know, technically speaking,
1: when you're doing, like, a formal cyclocross race, you're supposed to have a 33-millimeter tire on there. A lot of people race on 35s where they don't, like, check that kind of stuff. But, yeah. um, you know, some cyclocross bikes will go 35, 38, even 40-millimeter tires that you can put on there, and those are just perfectly serv- serviceable for a uh, a gravel ride. The geometry on the bike's can going to be a little bit different. They Do you want to speak to what that is?
3: Yeah, cyclocross bikes have a steeper head tube angle, and so the, the wheel— Distance between hubs is is shorter on a cyclocross bike than a gravel bike. What does that mean? It means that um, a an actual gravel bike is is more stable at speed. You can go faster. You can kind of bounce. You know, you can absorb more stuff on a gravel bike than if you're just um, on a on a cyclocross bike. So they're just they're just a, a little bit different. Um, not not that I know lots of people that still do gravel races on a cyclocross bike that don't, uh, you know, that just don't want to buy another gravel bike and they have a cyclocross bike. But, um, you know, so you can still do a lot with it. Just know that actual gravel bike has a longer wheelbase from hub to hub. And so they're a lot more stable at speed and over small bumps and whatnot. So that kind of helps quite a bit. Matt, what other uh, questions? What, is about suspension?
0: what about suspension on gravel bikes?
3: Suspension on gravel bikes. That like kind of the new thing. That, that is kind of a new thing happening um, with gravel bikes, um, suspension with gravel bikes. Uh, there are some forks that have come out recently that have like 30 millimeters of travel that right. are still fairly light. And so that's the biggest thing with gravel bike suspension. The more suspension you put on a bike, the heavier it gets. Correct. And so if you're adding too much uh, suspension to a gravel bike, you're going to have a weight penalty. Um, but there, uh, RockShox came out with one that's 30 millimeter travel and it's still quite light. mm mm-hmm. um, uh, BMC and their latest oars um, not only has a little bit of flex in the rear triangle with their MTT, the micro travel technology, yep. but they also have a little bit of... Um um play in their new front fork which has 20 or 30 millimeters of travel the
1: urs lt i believe it is 20 if i'm not mistaken it's 20 and it's got a it's actually pretty slick and it's not as heavy as you would think it is and it's all suspension that's built into the headset of or the the head tube of the the, um the the whole i guess fork and and, um, it's not like a normal shock correct and it's not like what was the the specialized ones that diverge is that what it was so they had the sp- suspension built into the stem and on the steer tube
3: yeah i think so this
1: one's like di- actually down in the headset when you get on the bike i'm like okay it, i still haven't ridden one and at first i'm like is this going to be gimmicky then it came in we had one <laughs> it lasted here for 12 hours It sold immediately exactly and um i wanted to get a chance to ride it but uh the reports back on it from the gentleman who purchased it have been very favorable and in the fact that it locks out, like truly locks out like 100% is, is fantastic. And then you can open it up for when you're hitting those chattery roads. It's going to make for a much more smoother ride. It's going to keep better traction on the, the road and the it's not going to wear you out. Yeah. So, and there's not too much of a weight penalty. So they kind of did something cool there. I'm still curious if it's going to be, you know, all that in a bag of chips or not.
3: What would what, be curious to see is like what the pro gravel racers actually, what what did they incorporate or not? I think know? that
1: they're not going to do it because it's, it's too much of a weight penalty. It's a weight penalty, yeah. yeah. And um, it's, yeah, I, I think that's 100%. <laughs> it's just a weight thing. If they can come up with one that, that fully locks out, that's fully light, that fully works as intended, yeah, they might jump over to that. And I'm curious because BMC does have another gravel bike coming out this summer. I still don't know, It's it's like, they've completely embargoed everything. They haven't shared anything with us, but they've got one coming out. This can be an aero uh, gravel bike. I'm curious if they build any kind of suspension into that at all. Is it going to have the MTT in it? Is it going to have something integrated into the the suspension? I don't know. We'll see. We don't want to get too BMC-centric here, but there
3: are a lot of options out there. It's because we ride BMCs and we love them, and so that's why we know so much about the (laughs) BMC gravel bikes.
1: There is the one... It starts with an L. Or Lauf. Lauf, yeah. It's got that suspension, yeah, that suspension thing built into the the lower fork. part of the fork. Yep.
3: That looks pretty intriguing. There are guys that are racing that. Um, and it's st- still, it's only like 20 or 30 millimeters of travel. It's yeah. not a ton, but it's enough to like absorb washboard roads yes. not completely but just to take the chatter off yeah
1: you don't understand what we're talking about until you actually get out there and you start going over that stuff and like you can handle it for 10 15 20 seconds but if you have to handle that for a half an hour or an hour is, it,
3: it it just you it, it wears you out dead next you yeah. yes so plus if there's a descent and it's on a gravel it's on a gravel road that has a lot of washboard it is Extremely dangerous because you could just—you don't have as much contact with the road, and you can go down much easier. And so, a little bit of suspension on a washboard descent would just be freaking fantastic. Gotcha, Lance.
1: Do you have any other pro tips to put into the playbook for all these uh, aspiring gravel riders out there? Cause um, that's 100 percent hands down the most commonly asked question is like. I'm thinking about getting into gravel bikes, gravel riding. What kind of a bike should I get? What do I need? And what can you tell me? I mean, we get these things all the time. So now I can tell people, go listen to this co- this podcast.
3: Yes. <laughs> uh, next thing I, I would take is a, uh, is a vest, um, yep. a camelback, some kind of hydration pack. Yep. no um, you, you turned me on to the camelback chase vest and that's actually really comfortable.
1: I've, I've never really been a huge fan of the Camelback, but this is pretty comfortable. It's it's, it's
3: built for gravel riders, yeah. mostly.
1: Holds yeah. 50 liters of water? Yep. Is that, no, that's not right. I, something like that. 50 it's, ounces of water?
3: A lot of, these, a lot of these gravel rides, if they're 50, 60 miles, you might be out there for four or five hours. Uh, there's nowhere to get extra water. Uh-huh. So um, having a... Uh, a reservoir with you where you can bring your own extra fluids is definitely helpful. The other thing about having a hydration pack is you can have your tube in there and your chain breaker tool and extra nutrition and there's a handy little pocket for your cell phone so you can take pretty pictures of yourself when you're out there so yeah I like the fact too
1: that on the straps that come down on your chest there's little pouches in there and it's very easy to keep your food there and that's very easy to get to while you're riding your bike yes. as opposed to reaching around the back and all of a sudden you hit a pothole in your one hand on the handlebars like that's that's not happy times correct so
3: yeah so I do like uh, having a, a hydration pack with me on gravel rides. Now, if I'm racing, if it's under three hours or two and a half hours, two hour race, yeah. I don't take a hydration pack. Correct. But if it's four or more, yeah, I'm taking a hydration pack. So teammate Chris Surratt... I can't remember if it was a mountain bike race
1: or a gravel race, but I think it was in the ballpark of about 100 miles, and there was four aid stations that— This
3: was Dirty Kansas last year. Pardon me. This was Unbound. Unbound. Now— 200 miles— did he have four different chase vests for that? He had four <laughs> chase vests. And he had them at
1: all of the different rest stops. And if you think about it, you're not having to stop and fill up a, a chase vest. Yeah. Take it off and put it on and fill it up. and do all. The, he just took the one off and then he had a whole other one that was packed exactly the same way and he would put that on. They're not terribly expensive. That's actually a pretty ingenious idea.
3: Yeah. He also, um, he had a, a Sherpa helping him. His wife was yeah. running the you know, he would she would jump ahead to each aid station so she could swap the the vest for him. But yeah, he that was one of the things he did in (laughs) at Unbound because two hundred mile race, gravel race, and that that one's brutal. That's like a twelve hour race. Yeah. Um I think we've
1: kind of alluded to this, but uh let people know your route and your ETA. Like when you expect to be leaving and getting back about how long you're gonna be out there riding and just let folks know and you you use the the um the live link that you can send to folks yes. on your computer. I still swear by that. My wife will give me grief every time. She's like, you went out and I didn't get the link this time. I'm like, oh, that's right. <laughs> because I, to took, I, it. I, I took the wrong computer. Sorry about that. I was just trying something, <laughs> a new computer out for whatever reason. But that works really well. And that way they can like know exactly where you're at. They can see what's going on. They can, you know, just keep tabs on you. Yes. So let people know what's going on so that in case something happens, they have a general idea of where you're at and they can start to piece things together. What else you got, Matt?
0: Um, you know, good locations. I would say, you know, if, if people are looking to um, find gravel locations to ride, they might have questions that way. Uh, I'm guessing if they're close in this area, like the Camus Vancouver area, and they're listening, they may want to check out, like, the Washugo River kind of trail, even though it's like six miles, you can kind of connect it to Heritage Trail, and do stuff that way. Sure. Um, But do you guys use Strava mostly to kind of find routes?
1: Um, I have lots of thoughts on this. So I've tried it, and
3: it's not fantastic on Strava. Nope. Nope. Ride with it, GPS is much better. Uh, Strava, if you'd say, you know, off, you only have off-road or on-road options yeah. with Strava, and they, it'll take you down a single track. So
1: when I was <laughs> exactly, when I was in uh, Arizona last spring break in, in 2021, I took my gravel bike, and I wanted to do some gravel riding down there, and I used Strava. They had this relatively new feature on there where they can suggest routes for you. And I'm assuming that, you know, like I'm riding mostly on the road, and I said I want to ride off-road as well. Well, it takes me on some fun trails. I'm like, this is very mountain bike centric. And then all of a sudden it takes me up the side of this mountain and the descent on it was like <laughs> the, the best, Not, enduro, the best yeah. enduro riders were going to do okay going down this on a full suspension bike with like 160 mils of travel. Not me on my gravel bike. I ended up having to hike down the side of a mountain for about a mile just to get through this, this section. So at the end of things, it was Okay, it was serviceable, but you've got to be fully like full disclaimer. You don't. It's not going to be exactly what you
3: want it to be. My number one way to find gravel routes in a new city is um, I use Ride with GPS. Uh-huh. Uh, you have to be you have to be a Premier member, I think, for this. Or I don't. Or maybe not to download. Anyway, I use Ride with GPS. I use their search function. Uh-huh. You have to type in the city close to where you're starting uh-huh. at. Um, but then I put the word gravel in the search function and then it will give me any route that is in anybody who's included a route near to that area that includes gravel. And, and sometimes I have like three options and sometimes I have a hundred options depending on where I'm at. And then I can look, uh, and you can put in parameters, you know, I'm looking for something between 20 and 50 miles Uh or something like that. And so That's where I've had my best luck in finding gravel routes. So
1: just when I was in San Antonio last week, that's what I used was, I ended up getting away from, because what I did is I'd used Strava's feature. They gave me three different route options and you can say I want to ride on road I want to ride this many miles and it comes back and it gives you that, that feedback, but I don't think they're necessarily basing it off. of they might be using some heat map data from other riders that have gone through there, but I'm like, all right, let's check out this route. And so I got on Google maps and then I started like, just kind of scrolling through it when you're doing the, whatever that is when you're on the road and you can actually just hop through basically following the route of the the Google car. And I'm looking at all of this and I'm looking at like a 35 mile route and there was maybe, maybe a mile of, um, bike lane. And that's it. And then I'm looking at these roads I'm looking at the volume of traffic and we've got two and three lane roads and there's cars flying all over the place. I'm like, hell no. Forget that. And so I jumped on ride with GPS and I did the same thing and it did a much better job. And I, I looked at this and like there was getting out to that, that 25 mile loop that I was talking about, that scenic route loop was fantastic, but there was not a better way to get out there. So that's not, I'm not putting that on ride with GPS it was just that was that was all that they had to offer. But yes. once I got out there, like that's that's much more in line with what I was looking for. And then you can start to look at the people that had done that before. I'm like, all right, a lot of people are going out and riding this loop. It's very bike-friendly.
3: It's just the getting there and getting
1: back to the part that sucked, but there was no way around
3: that. Uh, Ride GPS has been by far my best way to find gravel routes in yeah. a new city. There is another website called gravelmap.com. Really? Yes. Okay, that's new um, to me. But it's hard to find... Um, routes on it it shows you sections like sure like gravel roads that yeah. are good to ride on so but man the best one by far is ride with gps
1: yeah now with strava i was trying to hop on different club pages there and i was seeing what they were doing i was trying to look at the the different um rides that they had posted there was only a couple people that were riding stuff but there were a fair amount of people that were posting rides that they were going to be doing for gravel and that part was kind of cool because you can see like a community of people congregated on Strava and you can see the rides that they have planned that they're going to go out and do. Yeah. I just have a gravel bike with me. So that that was okay. But I think if you use the two in conjunction with each other, that's probably not a, a, a bad call. But no. I think if you only have one to choose from, I, I 100% agree with Lance, that the ride with
3: the GPS. And finding a gravel route on ride right with GPS might take you 15 minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whereas doing the other options might take... Several hours uh-huh. of research to actually oh, yeah. track something down and figure out a route that is workable. Yeah, but you know, nothing's perfect. I've also fallen, fallen, followed private GPS gravel routes that were just trash because it's just somebody that you know yeah. downloaded yeah. the route. There
1: but, is another really good um, resource here locally. This isn't going to help somebody that lives somewhere around the com- country. Um, Our Mother of the Mountain. OMTM. Yeah. They have done a fantastic job of putting together some fantastic rides, and they—how many rides do they put out a month? It's it's pretty consistent,
3: isn't it? There's there's a there's a single route they put out every month with uh, like four different options: sure. a long option, a medium option, a short option. Yeah. And they
1: they catalog all the stuff on their website as well, so you can go and see pictures, you can see GPS files, you can see the whole ride up on it. It's it's really well done. So hat, hats go off to those guys. Yep. Be awesome if they could expand or get some people to jump on. They can cover other areas that have um, a lot of great gravel riding, just to kind of document things because that is uh, that's a great resource. Yes. So,
3: yeah, that's a good question, Matt. Yep. That what? we talk too much about, <laughs> Lance. It's your turn again. What do you got? Uh, another thing that you don't think about too much, but be prepared for dogs on these oh, gravel yeah. roads. So um, it's it's. It's not as much of it. I haven't found as much of an issue with it in the Northwest, but at other parts of the country where they don't get a whole lot of bike traffic on the ground. None of these road, none of these gravel roads get a lot of bike traffic, but um, you just need to be prepared on how to deal with a dog out on the road. Um, usually an aggressive dog, you spray a water bottle at it to, or you use loud voices to get it to try to listen to you <laughs> so that is something that can happen um what i found the best way to deal with an aggressive dog is to um sl- <laughs> this sounds weird but slow down just a little bit and aim start to ride towards the dog if he's coming at you and then when you get near it that's when you sprint. <laughs> and and usually if you gap them enough, they, they give up. Yeah. They so they feel
1: like they've guarded their uh their realm, their territory. Correct.
3: They're yeah. just being protective about their home. So I get it.
1: Yeah. Anyway. What about unruly drivers that you'll find out there in the middle of nowhere? I mean when we ride out here in the hills in the Vancouver area, like if you go north, you know, there's all kinds
3: of great riding out there, but there is you always get somebody deal with any
1: Yahoos out there.
3: Um I I've I've had a few, but um I've I've quit I've tried to stop getting upset about unruly riders and just when they scream or yell at you or throw smile their milkshake at you. <laughs> I just smile and so, wave. you know, do know the area though, because like
1: when we do the Jones Creek route with that that loop that we did, if you go up to the Silver Star um Yep whatever that area is called up there. Grouse Vista, I think it is. Grouse Vista, yeah. There are a lot of people who drive up there. So when you're bombing down a hill, don't automatically go assume to the inside on the wrong side of the road and assume that nobody's going to be coming around the corner. You've got to still kind of mind your P's and Q's with respect to being out there. Unless you know for sure that there's gates up and there's no cars allowed. Yeah. You can't go bombing into a corner thinking that it's
3: completely yours. Also, most of the weekend traffic out there is people that are... Um, target shooting Uh so just know everybody's armed (laughs) (laughs) as well this is true (laughs) you have to know that they're generally really nice folks out there even though
1: they're out there making it sound like the fourth of july they're they're (laughs) nice people and you know just wave to them and say hi and more times than that you'll get the holy crap you rode that bike up here yeah exactly (laughs) man you're incredible (laughs) hear that quite often but um i i don't know if we've really talked about this too much but create a route. Load a route, put it on a computer and use that to follow because you don't want to get lost.
3: Oh yeah. If you don't have a route loaded, lo- loaded yeah. on your computer, um, yeah, you'll get lost. If you don't have a computer, I,
1: I suggest you go out and get one. Otherwise, God, I don't know.
3: Uh case in point, that ride that I almost got myself in trouble in in Flagstaff. Yeah, uh, my wife was also on a gravel bike and had not loaded a route. Uh oh. And um Once I self-rescued myself, I had to rescue her (laughs) because she was she had gone the wrong way down a road and just could not figure out how to get back out. She, it was not dangerous or bad where we were at, sure, but she was she was frustrated because she we she just didn't load a route and it, it just could be messy. You have to load a route if you're. That's why I find these routes on Ride with GPS and pin them, and then they show up for wahoo or your garmin and it's easy to select and ride yeah what else matt you got anything else up your sleeve uh,
0: let's think um maybe if people are new to all this gravel stuff and they're uh, take me for example how about like if my budget for a gravel bike is maybe like two to three thousand bucks so that's like a nice bike that's not we're probably out of the use Element. What what should we do? Should we should we call up Dialed Cycling Lab or should we look at some specific stuff online? Like what should we do? How should we start looking for stuff? To suggest.
1: Uh, it really depends on how much bike you want. I mean, that's a really good budget to start with, and it is. like you can get into a, a decent. You know, bike for for that amount of money, brand new. Um, it's still kind of hard to come buy new bikes. I mean, you're more than welcome to give us call down here if we can find something for you. Fantastic, we will definitely
3: set you up. We even still have a few even consignment gravel bikes here in the shop. Right. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, but if you're looking for more bike, then we'll just say like a, a good entry level bike is going to be in that two to three thousand dollar range. Um, you probably get it for a little bit less. But if you wanted something that's maybe just a couple years old, um, gosh, you still got to be very mindful because it's kind of like a mountain bike. I mean, they, they've ridden, been ridden off-road and they've probably been ridden hard. They've probably gone down once or twice. So um, if you can find something, just really know what to look for. You know, if it's a carbon bike, you got to look for all the little scrapes and scuffs, and then you got to inspect a little bit more for cracks. Um, if you can find a shop, a local shop that will do an inspection for you, that's always a good idea as well. Um, there are a mountain of great gravel bikes out there different manufacturers that make some pretty fantastic ones i'm not going to say that one's better than the other they all have their own little nuances yep we lance both and i ride the bmc wars um and i I feel like i'm lucky to ride that bike it's a fantastic bike and i i am hard pressed to find a better bike for like descending and and just having full control of the bike and it still climbs really well it's a very serviceable serviceable bike all the way around um yeah, you just gotta kind of figure out what you want out of the bike. Do you want electronic shifting? And that's another thing. If you're gonna be out riding in the middle of nowhere, make sure that your Di2s fully tapped or topped off, and your eTap batteries are charged up. Or if uh, if if possible, take an extra eTap battery with you, just so that in case you have something go wrong,
3: you've got the juice. Yes, so. I I carry an extra battery with me just in case. Gotcha. I think we lost Matt. I think Matt got sick of us he's talking like this about stupid gravel
1: this is a talk. Dumb <laughs> idea, and I'm not listening anymore. He's, he's biding his time so he can do the triathlon takeover. So, all right, Lance, just you and me. What else you got? Anything
3: else? I got one more thing. Shoot. Um, glasses oh, are yeah. quite crucial on gravel rides. Correct. Um, mostly because there is, there's going to be dust. If you're riding on gravel, there's going to be dust or there's going to be mud or there's going to be something else like that. And um, uh, you need to have glasses with you or a way to clean your glasses while you're out there riding. So
1: Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And uh,
3: if if you're going to ride in an area where you know you're going to be doing a lot of like open
1: exposed riding and then you're going to be doing some forested riding or the weather's going to be changing. I so love those photochromatic 100% lenses. Yes. Those things are fantastic because as soon as it gets tree cover and there's shade and, and, and you're, you know, if you're wearing your normal sunglasses, it gets dark and you can't see things quite as well. Potholes in the, in the shadow, you're not going to pick that up the same way. Versus the photochromatic, it just all of a sudden goes to fully translucent. You can 100% see everything
3: just fine, but your eyes are protected. Yes. And if the, if the weather changes, you're, you're good to go there too. You're good to go there, yeah. Yeah, that's right. yeah I am. Um, the times when I have said, oh, I don't really need glasses for this part of the ride or for this ride at all has come back to bite me in the butt. How so? Um, Branch in the eye, rock in the eye, bug it, in the eye. Dust in the, something in the eye. eye yeah. It, it's usually dust. I don't, it's going to be nice weather. It's not going to be muddy. I don't really need this. I, you know, it's a hassle. Sometimes, sometimes the glasses are a hassle. And so I've gone without them. And then an hour in, I can't see cuz <laughs> I got so much dust in my
1: eye. 100% every single time take glasses with me because I, I just want to protect my eyes. I will often take them off when I'm climbing, because if you're getting fogged up, or if you start to sweat on them, you don't want all that crap because you can't see. So I'll just put them up in my helmet, and then I know that when I get to the descent, I can put them on put and them protect on. my eyes. Yeah. So that's always Same. a a good thing to have. Um, I think I think I'm just about out. I mean, we did talk about the multi tool. That's probably one last thing is have have a tool for everything on your bike that could yep. possibly go wrong. So know your multi tool. Don't just go grabbing any multi tool because. What if you've got like a T25 screw on there that needs to be tightened, and, and all of a sudden that breaks, and then you go get your multi tool, and you're like, well, dang it, it's got a three, four, or five millimeter, or six millimeter Allen key, but it doesn't have a Torx. Guess what? You're stripping a screw that day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the chain breaker. I mean, the chain breaker. That's that's a huge advantage. So it has
3: um, it has saved me uh, once or twice yeah. having the chain breaker tool.
1: So get that tool. Um, I think. The, oh, where's sunscreen? Yes, please. Wear sunscreen. You're exposed. You're out there for hours. You don't want to come back with
3: blisters. <laughs> True.
1: All right. Let's call that done. All right. If we missed anything, yell at us. We'll post this up on Facebook. <laughs> yell at us. Tell us what we missed. We'll ignore your yelling. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, I think that's about it.
3: One last thing, Lance. You got any one last thingers? Um, I don't have a whole lot uh, coming up other than uh, Paris-Roubaix is this weekend. That should be quite exciting. This tends to be one of the uh, more fun uh, spring classic and monuments to watch because it has the worst cobble conditions of any of the spring classics. And so... um, Oh dude, did you see that? I was just going to say the that same, same thing on, on, on the
1: hub. I was it was coming out of my mouth. Mike, did you see that this morning?
3: <laughs> so, the UCI approved this hub that some teams are using where you can change your tire pressure on the fly. It's fantastic. So you can you can run lower tire pressure on the cobble sections and then hit a button when you hit the tarmac, and it adds a little pressure so you can go a little faster yep. on the flat sections.
1: I just started reading that. I figured like this is going to be great for conversation at some point in time, but yes. um, I had too many things going on this morning. But <laughs> I, I'm guessing that there's some sort of a compressed air in
3: there that can be there's no moving parts with it so there isn't there isn't a compressor but there is a air reservoir uh-huh. where air can go into the tire from the reservoir and then out of the tire back into the reservoir but
1: something has to manage that something has yes. to push the air up there and i'm guessing that it's like a hollow spoke possibly that it's going up into the i didn't the read wheel. that much about it either
3: all yeah. i knew is that there's no moving parts with it it's fantastic it, yes and, and, and,
1: and, I'm sure it's all controlled wirelessly through a button two
3: buttons there's two buttons on the more on, on the handlebars air. Yep. more air less air basically that's it I, I don't know if there's only two like air pressure options or yeah. you can just pump it up a little and let out a little but you know
1: I, my mind just started spinning on that I'm like I could see that on every single bike because if you're riding on, like, a butter-smooth road... Yep, you, you wanna want to... Just add a couple extra PSI. Yeah. Go for it. Or if all of a sudden you hit a bunch of chip seal, oh, let's take a little bit of air out of that, just smooth that out a little bit. And then you could actually watch, like, on a bone-still day of air, you can start to watch your power numbers, and you can get your RPE, you've got your speed, right. and you can start to just, just take a look at it. it. And then, obviously, mountain bikes. But then the
3: person that's probably drooling about that the most is your gravel rider. Yes. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Especially rides like Belgian Waffle Ride, where... Yeah where it's only like 60% off-road and 40% on the road. Yeah, you don't want
1: to be running your 25, 27 setup. You want to jump up to a 32, 35 or something
3: like that, or even more. It's just going to be faster. Uh, Drawback is it was 4,000 pounds. Not weight, cost. Cost. (laughs) So we're talking like five grand. Okay. (laughs) With the
1: UCI approving that, I'm sure that they've got it, you know... Yep. Patented, And I'm sure that there's going to be some licensing of that. I don't, but it, that, that's only going to last for so long or somebody's going to come up with something that yep. falls within that certain percentage of difference. It's going to happen. So, so yeah. you're going to see that. And you're going to see dropper posts on road bikes here pretty soon. Yes.
3: So it was, it was pretty exciting to see this. What, what is yeah. it? And what? Yeah. yeah. It looks pretty cool. So. <laughs>
1: Alright, my one last thing is I am excited for a gravel race that's coming up in a couple of weeks and I was excited for a training ride that was supposed to come up this weekend that's still, yes. still on the calendar, but... The weather looks like it sucks. <laughs> we're not going to be able to do this ride if it's snowing out there. I'm not going to go out there and sit in the, the elements for hours upon hours upon hours in snow. What are we going to do this weekend to, to keep the training going? Because my training last week kind of sucked.
3: <laughs> uh, we Well... Uh, mm. Uh, are we gonna do a hundred miles whip ride? <laughs> God, <I> just <laughs> Threw my mouth a little bit. <laughs> I think that might end up happening though. It might end up happening. I haven't. I haven't ridden outside for like five days because it's just too nasty here. Ah. Let's go to Arizona. Let's just drive to Arizona. <laughs> Forget I, these jobs. We're, we're out of here. I
1: did see a funny ride title from Lance when I was in San Antonio, Texas, and I did my little 44 or <laughs> five mile ride outdoors. And, and Lance r- rode on Zwift, and the title was?
3: I, I rode it. I wrote inside and Jake wrote outside. What's wrong with the world or something
1: like that. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely backwards there. So cool. All right. I think that's about it. Any, anybody do you want to say hi to or? Nope. Oh, I think that's good. Thanks, Matt, for coming on with us for a little bit. His, his phone died. He sent us a message saying my phone died. No worries. Uh, thanks again to Ed for coming in to sit with us. I think we got to have him back in because he's got some stories and he's a pretty funny dude. So
3: he, he's a cool guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to have him around and ride with him so. yeah, on the team too. Yeah, so yeah.
1: All right, we will catch everybody next week. Until then,
3: bye for now.